at the the summer in between first year and second year of university, I decided I was going to run a half marathon. And I remember talking to my mom. My mom had walked um, a few marathons. And so she had said, um, she's like, well, why don't you start with like a 10K? I was like, no, I need to do the half. And I don't know what. It was like a visceral, like, I need to do the half. I can't do anything less. Welcome to Part-Time Athletes, a podcast that interviews everyday people about their fitness journeys. That was Michelle Campbell coming to you from Ottawa, Canada. And this is your host, Bree Outside, recording for Mesa, Arizona. In today's episode, we're talking to Michelle about training for a triathlon. She's run several marathons, and then she made the switch to become a triathlete. She's going to talk about her beginnings in all three sports and what those journeys look like. And then she's also going to talk about her triathlon training and what that looks like for those of us who have never trained for a triathlon. As I mentioned at the beginning of every episode, if you choose to apply any advice or opinions from this podcast or its guests to your own life or anyone else's, you do so at your own risk. That said, let's get started, athletes. Have you done an Ironman or a half Ironman before? No. I haven't. Um, the first taste of triathlon world was uh, two years ago, where I just signed up for a sprint, which is a 500 meter swim, a 40 kilometer cycle, and a 5k run. Um, oh, uh, no, sorry, not 40k. It's a 20k bike and a 5k run. Um, so I, I signed up. I was like, you know what? Like, Let's, let's try something new. Like I kind of hit a rut with running where it was just kind of feeling too much like a chore at that time. Like I'd started a new office job. And so it was something where I was like, you know what, like try something new. I did it. I loved it. I was so nervous. I was so nervous for the swim. I didn't really train for the swim, my mistake, but um, <laughs> I, I was so nervous. But when I was doing it, even the swim, so for that swim, I had to like doggy paddle basically. Like it was like breaststroke. It was very slow. It took me like 12 minutes to do 500 meters. Um, in open, I'd never swim in a timed kind of manner in open water. So like, and it's such a different thing for you to do. Like your body just goes into this shock and kind of like fight or flight kind of mode and it like you can feel your chest uh tighten and so but I loved it I loved the whole thing the cycle so I had just had so much fun I remember having a grin on my face the entire time it was it was fantastic so that was like my first introduction into triathlon um and then that's kind of where I I left it there for a little bit I was probably yeah so a whole year almost I would say and I was just like you know what 2020 I mean 2020 is laughing at me that's for sure but 2020 I told myself I was like you know what do something intense like set yourself up for a crazy intense goal and just do it and so in October I waited for the Muskoka Ironman 70.3 to open up registration And I had it in my basket. I had everything filled out. And I was just like, okay, like this is the last point where you can back out. Because it's a a pretty big financial um, 
investment. So this was like $300 to do it. So like, it's, it's not cheap to be doing something this, um, like at this level. Wow. Yeah. 300. I'm thinking marathons are usually around a hundred. Exactly. Exactly. Like marathons are a hundred dollars and that's a big chunk to like take out of your, you know, your monthly income for that for that month. And even a and Ragnar so, Relay, the, those are usually under around 200, right? Yeah. And, like, and 5K still take a chunk out of you. Like if you're doing just one of those like bum runs, even if you're doing, you know, these, all these different kinds of races, like it is a, a big financial investment. And so that was my thing for the 70.3. It was sitting there in my cart and everything felt out. I'm like, okay, Michelle, you're about to invest 300 and change. Are you ready to do this? Like you've got 10 months can you do this? And I said, yep, I can do it. And so I pressed confirm place order. And, uh, and that was kind of like the start. And I had no idea where to start with that. (laughs) So triathlon, it's running, swimming and cycling, right? So yeah, exactly. And so it's a little bit like, when did you start running? Uh, when did you start cycling and when did you start swimming and kind of just your history? Yeah. So I, um, I actually swam when I was a kid. I swam competitively, like semi-competitively, let's call it. It was uh, called Kigos um, and it was at the Y. My mom did it when she was a kid and my mom is a big competitive swimmer. And so my brother and I actually got into swimming that way. So I've always been a, like a strong swimmer. I've always loved being in water, but it was always in a pool. Um, so that was really like where my swimming background was really coming from was when I was a kid. And we're talking like elementary school. Um, so throughout high school, throughout university, and then even now, you know, four years, four or five years outside of university, I didn't really swim until I started training for the 70.3. For the cycling, same kind of thing. Like I've, I've always biked as a kid. My family, you know, we used to always bike to, like just like bike around the neighborhood, bike to the beach and back and stuff like that. And um, I always remember going down to Toronto to Center Island. So you take this ferry and then you just ride around Center Island and it's like an amusement park. And so that was something we always did but never like road cycling and never really in like a competitive way. But five years ago, I got myself a road bike because a friend of mine or two friends of mine had road bikes and they were cycling a lot. And so I kind of just threw myself into that as well. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of when I started road cycling. And then two years ago, I got a lot more um, invested in terms of both time, equipment and money where I was doing bigger rides and doing, and like I got clips. So the special shoes, the special um, pedals. And I, um, there's some special tops now too. I saw an Instagram. Yeah, exactly. You know, these tight tops with pockets in the back to make sure you have all your stuff with you. You've got keys. I'm always carrying sunscreen now. And, you know, especially now with, um, the pandemic ongoing of always making sure, you know, it's phone, wallet, keys, mask. And so the mask comes with me when I, when I go out on bike rides now too, because we usually stop for like a beer or a drink or a coffee or something like that. And so cycling has definitely become more of a, a daily occurrence and a lot more of a social thing now as well. And so 
Two years ago, I did a, a charity ride. It's called the Bose Oktoberfest ride, and it's a 115-kilometer ride, um, so it's point-to-point. You sign up, you raise funds for the United Way of Eastern Ontario, and so that goes towards marginalized communities so that kids can participate in after-school activities and just have a lot more of that financial support that they don't necessarily have. And so it's such a great cause. And so my partner and I, we both did it and it was so hard. And that was like my first big ride of, and I don't even think I had done, I think I'd done 70 kilometers before that. And so the 115 was definitely a, a challenge. How long did it take you? It took, I think, about five and change. I think I was cruising around like the 20, like 21 to 23 kilometers an hour. Um, So I know I I was definitely under the 25 to make it that cool four four hours, which is what I really wish it would have been. But what's really great is that I've been able to see that progress. So back then, two years ago when I did it, or almost three, it took me five and change, and now I can do 100 kilometers in four hours. So now, you know, the average pace of being 25 kilometers an hour is, you know, I've, I've definitely seen the big increase in, in my speed and my, my cardio and effort that I have to put out. So that's something that's very satisfying to see. But, it's a, but cycling's a, a different beast completely. It's something that you have to think of, like, your nutrition while you're on the bike. Well, you might not necessarily actually feel it. You know, I feel like when running, and I'm sure you can, can confirm this on your end too, of just like when you're running and you're thirsty, you can feel it. You know, you feel it all through your body. And you're like, okay, I need hydration. I need electrolytes. I need food or whatever it is. But biking, sometimes I can't, I can't tell until it's really late. And it's like, okay, I've really, I've really messed up here. And I should have been eating an hour ago. But it's something that I'm definitely still learning. And then I guess finally with running, um, I started running in high school, late high school. I want to say my final year in 12th grade. I started running after school. And I mean, I know I talk about kilometers, but I, I I would run a mile after school. And it would just be this big energy release and just like get all of the stress. And I mean... As an adult now, I realized that my stress in high school was very minimal, but it was something that I was just able to just get it all out in that mile run or two mile run, whatever it would be. It was just something that I was able to, to do and, and it felt so good. And then I didn't really do much running in my first year of university, but then at the, the summer in between first year and second year of university, I decided I was going to run a half marathon. And I remember talking to my mom. My mom had walked um, a few marathons. And so she had said, um, she's like, well, why don't you start with like a 10K? I was like, no, I need to do the half. And I don't know what. It was like a visceral, like, I need to do the half. I can't do anything less than that. And I'll start with the half. That was like my starting point. And so I trained all through the summer. I remember running in in the heat one day and I remember coming home and my face was so red. It was so red. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this sucks. Why am I doing this? But, you know, once you cool down, you sit in front of a fan for a little bit and then 
you then you just feel so good and then you get that runner's high and and it was kind of ever since then that I you know almost every year I would do a race I think the following year I did my first marathon I did the Niagara Falls International Marathon and that was a point to point so you start in Buffalo and then you end at the falls on the Ontario side um that was a fantastic fantastic race I loved it um and then I did a couple half marathons in between. And then I did a year of two marathons. And that was like the year that I felt like on top of the world. But I was also like very, very disciplined that time. I actually had done it when I was in Europe. I had attempted, I'll say that word, I had attempted to go be a nanny for a year. And um, it didn't work out for me. But I had already signed up for a race to do in Amsterdam. So I was in in the UK staying with a friend after the nanny thing didn't work out in the Netherlands. And I remember just, it'd be Sunday morning. I was up in Newcastle and I just had to wake up at five. I just had to do it. And it was, it was something, it just like became a part of my, my story, my, my traveling story of that I was able to kind of see different parts of the countryside in the UK, in Scotland, in Ireland of just this running experience and um I ran my best time in Amsterdam I I, it's flat for sure um we're not dealing with big hills or mountains or anything but um that was kind of like my my I feel like I not a peak that's the wrong word but like I felt so good there and then I kind of felt a little bit of a taper um in terms of motivation towards running and I think that's really where then a couple years later I was dealing with some injuries with my knees um, for running. I did a marathon in Quebec City, and I really struggled with that one. And I really do think it had to do with, you know, like doing strength training and my diet. I don't think it was the best, and so I struggled with it. But I got to to the point where I was like, I'm not liking running right now, and so I need to stop. And I think that's really where the sprint uh, sprint triathlon came in, and – I loved it. And so I think I've just kind of been building up since then to, to the 70.3 now. Yeah, I think a lot of people can probably relate to knee problems and also strength training and diet problems. That was always the hard part for me too. And I was helping my friend Gracie train for her first half marathon and like getting her to actually do the strength training because she just did not understand how important it was going to be when she started hitting those bigger two-digit mile numbers. If you're doing, you know, anything from 13 to, you know, the 20 miles that you're doing before a race, before a, like a, a marathon, but like, especially when you're starting that out, if you're not supporting your knees, like, and I know like as runners, we're just like, if I can just crank out 13 miles in a couple of hours and feel fantastic, why would I do anything else? Exactly. It's, it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, it's totally, it's so easy to fall into that. And I know that that was like my big thing. And I know with cycling for me now, for sure, it's, I noticed the difference of having that like cross training in it. So I can run further and faster without the pain that I was having, even when I thought that I was running my fastest and best back in just my running days. I feel like most of us don't learn that until we're like at the physical therapist's office. (laughs) 
Exactly. You're in the office with your orthopedic surgeon and they're like, okay, so we're going to have to do knee surgery. And so the, the idea that I was like, look like, you know, staring down the barrel of surgery, which is not something that I was ready to accept. So I'm actually very thankful that, uh, I've put myself in the very intense position of training for something like a Ironman 70.3. So what does your training look like? Because that's got to be a lot different than training for just a bike race or just a marathon. Yeah. So when I started, so I had set myself up um, for a 10-month training plan. So um, typically when I find like a training plan online, I usually end up extending it. I always like to give myself... Um, a wide berth in terms of how much time I've got to train and the distance and getting up to those really high mileage days. So what it started out with was, um, so one day of rest, and it was always my Monday. So I always, to me, it's always like, okay, you start with a day of rest. Um, And then it would be swim, bike, run, and then swim, run bike or bike run and then run. So I was kind of doing two days of swimming, two days of cycling, and then three of running. And so I would do the brick workout, which is the bike and then run on Saturdays. Um, I'd always kind of, I still liked the, <laughs> and I don't know if it's a, a running culture thing that established it or what it is, but a Sunday long run, there's something about it that just, feels right. And so I, I was always thankful that I uh, had always organized my, my schedule around the, the Sunday long run. Um, but then when you start getting into higher um, mileage days, both in the pool, in the saddle and on the road, it's, um, I would do, be doing a swim run, a bike. Bike was typically by itself because you'd be getting into like several hours of riding but then also doing a brick, a bike run um, on the Saturday still. And so it was, uh, it, you're doing two workouts a day, which is definitely taxing in terms of organizing your time, but like just sleep as well, you know, and like in the winter, it's easier. Uh, I say that very loosely. It's easier in the sense that. Do you I'm get not snow? Of, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, like, I'm not, I'm not fighting the sun in terms of heat. Um, in the winter, I do have a trainer um, in our condo and we, both myself and my partner, Ryan, we have um, Zwift, which is a, like a video game cycling training um, app. And so you're hooked up to a Bluetooth indoor trainer. You've got your own bike on it and it's just like, it's a gamified. There's yourself as an avatar, you get points and you can, you get points to get bikes and to get jerseys and socks and shoes and all different kinds of things. So it's really gamified it. Um, And so that's what I do in the winter. I do ride inside still as if I were road cycling. And then running is, uh, it's a kind of a, uh, one and the other. Um, so in the condo, we do have a, a gym with a treadmill. And so I will run on the treadmill, but I despise the treadmill. I know some people can just get in the zone and just do it, but I can't. It's so tough for me. 
And so I'll typically run outside and I will run in the snow. I do have trail runners that I'll use in the, in the winter to just have a bit more grip on the, the snow and, and ice and cold, <laughs> anything that it can grip to. But um, it's, it's a lot different in the winter for sure. I do try to like do different things. Like we've got, um, so in Ottawa, just across the river is Quebec. And so we have, uh, Gatineau and they're called the Gatineau Hills in Gatineau Park and um, so we'll do a lot of snowshoeing and hiking and stuff so like still trying to get that that good cardio going um, but the winter can be tough especially if it's a very cold or snowy which fortunately this past winter we didn't have either it was pretty mild I mean for all intents and purposes of what uh, you know mild is in in Canada in Ottawa but um, it's definitely a different beast in, uh, in the winter. And then what do you think for you? I know you mentioned a couple challenges like the weather, but what else do you think is like the hardest part about staying motivated or what do you do when the going gets tough? I would say that definitely having a, a, a partner that's like super supportive has actually kept me going of just, you know, like when I say I'm not going to run tomorrow or I'm not running this morning, I don't want to do it. I don't want to get on the bike. I don't want to go do however many meters of elevation on this ride. Um, having a partner that's like super supportive has been something that I uh, definitely don't take for granted. But on the same side of that, you know, I wake up and my partner is still sleeping and I'm just thinking like, Oh, like I could still be sleeping too. I don't want to go. Like we can just have a coffee in the morning and it would be so much nicer than, you know, putting yourself through an hour or two of cardio and, you know, sweating and cold or heat or, um, Ottawa can get pretty humid and we, most of July actually has been super humid. You'd wake up, it'd be 23 Celsius and humidity of 100%. And, you know, you go out and you're sweating. And so that was me trying to beat the heat, but not being able to. And so I know that um, seeing someone who's not, maybe not necessarily in the same <laughs> misery boat as you um, can be can be tough of just kind of like, well, I don't necessarily want to do it because they're not doing it or rather just stay in bed. But in terms of staying motivated, I know that for me, it's, it's really, it's like a week that really sucks of just like that I have to drag myself out. And then, you know, you, then you get into the groove of it and you're feeling good and you're seeing the results, you're seeing the faster splits, you're seeing the familiar roots getting to feel faster and and better doing it and so that's something that I just try to tell myself of like this doesn't always suck this bad or if it sucks this bad you're faster at it and you're done sooner so that's what I really what I try to to keep in focus and then also um you know the the financial investment it kind of comes back to that of just like okay you spent a lot of money Let's make sure that you finish this because with um, Ironman, both the 70.3 and the full Ironman, um, there are time cutoffs. So if you don't finish your swim, your bike, and then the run completing it, um, you can be disqualified because you, you haven't completed completed it. There are pretty generous times. Um, 
but you know, it definitely keeps you motivated to make sure that you are performing at, you know, their bare minimum. And so you always want to do better than that. And so there, there are quite a few like external factors that keep me motivated, but I am a pretty competitive person. And Definitely with myself of just wanting to be better, be the best that I can be, um, which I find to be probably the most productive kind of competitive that I can be instead of trying to be competitive with someone who maybe is a better runner, a better cyclist, a better swimmer, who's, you know, skinnier than me, who has been doing this longer. I don't really find those to be good motivators for me. Um, So definitely just, you know, what I can do, what I put out last summer, what can I put out this summer? versus the next summer. And so I try to focus on that. Yeah, well, and also, I don't know, I think comparing yourself to other people is really hard because like, most people have like very different lifestyles. Like if you have kids and if you don't, like your training is going to look really different. Or if you're a stay-at-home person or if you work remotely versus having to commute to an office every day, like that changes up your time. So, yeah. Totally. And and that's where I'm super fortunate that I've got a, a flexible work schedule where, you know, if I go out later in the morning for a run or a ride, I'm not on the clock of I have to be back by 9am because I need to be, you know, on the clock. I'm super fortunate like that. And folks who do it with kids or, um, you know, jobs where they, you know, are kind of like in the seat kind of person, like more power to them because I know how difficult that can be to to have to try to coordinate finishing something that's, you know, physically taxing and then go into a job. And especially if you then got a commute. I mean, I know a lot of us are are working remotely and not necessarily doing a lot of commuting right now, but you know, people have been one doing good it. thing that came from COVID. Yeah, exactly. Of like, you know, people realizing that uh, that remote work can uh, can be beneficial. But you know, like people are doing super long commutes of how many how many ever hours they have at the end of the week that have been you know sitting on a bus or sitting on a train or in the car in traffic, whatever that might be. So I know that I've been super fortunate in where I work and also where I live as well, being like in the city with access to trails and pathways that are right there off the road. I don't have to go far to, to have some really great scenery along my ride or my run. So it's a, it's definitely a, a different, a different experience for folks who have to care for kids or parents or, you know, maybe don't even have necessarily like a supportive partner in, in a really big endeavor, such as like running five, 10 half marathon, you know, and then getting into like the world of cycling and and triathlons. I've been really fortunate. And I think you might've mentioned one or two, but have you had any like real wow moments where you completed something really tough in your training and just felt like super proud of yourself? I think one of my very first, like, wow, like, I can't believe I just did that was the first time that I was training for a marathon. Um, So this was back in 2013 or 14. And I, I finished a 20 mile run. And I felt on top of the world. I felt so good. I was running great splits. 
I didn't hurt. I didn't, I didn't feel anything bad except for good. Like my, my head felt good. My body felt good. My legs, my feet, everything felt good. And it was one of those, like, this is where all of those crappy five mile, three mile, 10 mile, that's where those all came into play. And really, really knowing that like I got myself there from the good, the bad, the ugly, the tears, the blisters, the crying, you know, all of that of just like feeling so good about it. And then I would say that probably the most recent was um, I was riding in Gatineau Hills. And so there's this ride from my place is called up to Pink Lake and they're back. It's about 200 meters of elevation. And so, and it's a tough ride. And one way is basically all uphill. And I remember going with my boyfriend and we were talking about how his riding legs, we called it, it's almost in the version of like old money. Like he's had these, it's legacy legs. He's had them forever. He's cycled way more than I have. And I'm this new money legs of this past winter and these past 10 months. I've worked so hard and now I've got these strong cycling legs. And he took off ahead of me. And I, I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to be able to catch up to him. But he had hit the hill too hard and too fast. And I was just able to kind of like just sail past him and I beat him up there. And, and that was one part where the, the competition in me versus someone else was something that I was able to, to enjoy. And, but it was just that, again, I was able to see the work that I put in over the winter months and see, you know, the fruits of my leg labor and it was just such a great feeling to to be able to do something that's challenging with a little bit more ease than what I would have been able to do so long ago and so seeing the the physical reactions and and benefits I think have always been my greatest um like yardstick for how I've improved and it just feels so good And do you have any advice for someone that wants to become a triathlete? Maybe they haven't, maybe they've done one of those sports before, but they're thinking about taking the leap into the other two. It's really a, you can do, like, if you know how to do all three, even in a very rudimentary, easy, let's say way, you can definitely do it, like, I hadn't swam in a real way, let's say, in like 10 years. And cycling, I always had done it just as a a means of like a way to get to the beach or a way to kind of tour around. And and then running was just something that I, I threw myself into. And I definitely think that it's something that you can you can throw yourself into it. And I know that all three swimming, cycling, running by themselves can be pretty intimidating um, in terms of communities, but there are so many great people out there and, you know, we always need more people, different kinds of people and all different kinds of people um, to be a part of those. And so I, I, my, I know it's, it's easy for me to say because I'm in it, but to really just, just throw yourself in it, just do it. The second that you start, you know, swimming you're a swimmer the second you start cycling you're a cycler when you're running you're a runner and I mean for myself of being in a bigger body um I can definitely have a bit of that 
imposter syndrome almost of just like, I don't belong here. My body's bigger than what that, that quote unquote cyclist is, that quote unquote runner is. But if I can do this in a bigger body, then why am I not that person? Why am I not the cyclist? Why am I not the runner? Um, and so I, I definitely think that it's something that everyone and anyone can do. It's just, it's a, I really do believe that it's a time commitment. I know that there is also the financial commitment and, and I, I know that that's a, a big hurdle for a lot of people, but it, it really is a, if you give yourself the hour or two a day, I really think that you can be a triathlete. Anyone can be a runner, a, a cyclist or a swimmer. It's a, and it's such a satisfying thing to be a part of. And at the end, I mean, I, I always joke <laughs> that I, I'll go to, so in Ottawa, there's the Ottawa race weekend, which is in, at the end of May. And I'll go and I'll watch the Saturday night five and 10K and I'll cry right? because I just know how much work goes into running any distance, especially if you're, you know, you've decided that you're going to run in a, you know, a competitive way. I know how much work and effort and time and everything that goes into it. And I don't think I've done a single race in my life where I haven't cried at the end because first of all, it's over, thank goodness. But also just of like, you know, it's the end. That is the, that's the apex. That is the, that is the end of all of your hard work. And you get to celebrate after that. You get to go have a beer, have a nice big meal, take an ice bath, take a nap, you know, have the best shower of your life. And it's just something that is so satisfying and so gratifying. And, and seeing other people do it just makes me so happy that I cry. I think about it sometimes. Sometimes I'll be out for a run and I'll think about how it's going to feel to be at the end. And I almost start crying. It's crazy. Like I'll, I'll start, I'll be tearing up in the middle of a run because I'm just thinking about how good it's going to feel when I finish this race. All right, athletes, that's all the time we have for today's episode. I want to say a special thanks to Michelle for taking the time out of her day to be interviewed for part-time athletes. And I also want to say thanks to you, the listener, for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, I really hope you share the podcast with your friends and family. Uh, Send them the link. Don't hesitate. They might not listen to it, but hey, maybe it'll inspire them to try something new or to keep going with whatever sport they're working on. If you'd like to support the show, uh, you can visit breeoutside.com, B-R-E-O-U-T-S-I-D-E.com. And there's a link to a Kofi account for one-time donations and also to Patreon. Uh, I have Patreon tiers as low as $3 a month. So uh, if you're wondering what the support goes towards, it's the monthly feed to pay for the hosting for each episode and the RSS feed. Uh, the website, WordPress plan, um, equipment, like maybe a better microphone or better editing software, just things like that. So if you have a couple extra bucks and you want to support the show, uh, visit BrieOutside.com. Otherwise, again, thank you so much for listening and I hope you tune in next week. We have some amazing episodes coming up talking to even more amazing athletes just like you. And if you want to be on the show, go to preoutside.com again i know i keep plugging the website um but that's where the contact form is if you want to get a hold of me you can also email part-time athletes with an s podcast 
at gmail.com. Part-time athletes podcast at gmail.com. It's all one word. But again, thank you and enjoy the rest of your week.